Look, we live in some pretty challenging times. Instability is all around us and it can feel pretty overwhelming. In order to not just survive, but to thrive in this time, we all need to strengthen our relationship with God, then maximize and engage every promise and gift God has given us. In his new book, Energy Unveiled, Derek Peterson lays out some important principles which will give you the tools and practices to strengthen your relationship with God and help you maximize your own potential to get through these trying times. Stick around as we break down a few of the principles from his book on this episode of the Mormon Renegade Podcast. There is no doubt as a general rule Mormons are a real social people, and there's no better place to connect with other people than at conferences devoted to Mormonism. With that said, there's one coming up that I can't recommend highly enough, and that is the Restoration Torah Conference. It is happening this year on May 26th and 27th in Linden, Utah. Many speakers you'll hear there have been on this podcast. They include Jacob Vadreen, Hannah Stoddard, Taylor Smith, Joshua Erickson, Kimberly Smith, myself, and more. Go to RestorationTorahConference.org or click on the link in this episode page notes to find out how you can attend. Here's the unfortunate truth right now. As fundamentalists and traditional LDS folks, we can't expect to have accurate history told by others because true history and scholarship is problematic for certain people and organizations. We're going to have to do this work ourselves, and to do that, we'll have to support each other in this kind of work. Now, Anybody who is anybody in fundamentalist circles knows who Drew Briney is. He is perhaps the most prolific author within Mormon fundamentalism. Drew's newest project is something I think all Mormons can benefit from. He is in the process of creating an annotated version of the Doctrine and Covenants. Once you have a copy of this, you'll be able to compare current sections with previous versions and also what early LDS leaders had to say about that particular section. As fundamentalists and traditional LDS folks, we are constantly trying to get back into the minds of the early brethren. This project that Drew is engaged in right now is going to be the ultimate tool to help us do that. Now, because this annotated version of the Doctrine and Covenants is such a massive undertaking, Drew needs some help from others. Drew's plan for getting this annotated version of the Doctrine and Covenants out is through crowdfunding. The link for that will be out April 4th. If you want more details sooner, go to Drew's Facebook page and message him from there, and he'll give you all the details. Further, on Saturday, April 8th, I'll be releasing an episode that talks about this project in greater detail. So please, if you feel impressed to do so and have the means, I'd humbly ask that you reach out to Drew and support this project that will help advance the scholarship and true doctrine of the restored gospel. Because of your generosity last year, I was able to buy better audio equipment and software. I can't tell you how much it meant to me that not only did you spend your time here with me on the podcast, but also that you found enough value in what I'm doing that you donated the podcast to upgrade it. This year, I want to continue to grow. Now, I want to add video to the podcast to continue to help you, my guests, and myself connect better through the show. The other feature I'm working on for this podcast is something I have to remain vague about for now. But what I can say is that it's something that will help us better connect as fundamentalists and traditional LDS folks. Now, to get that equipment for the video content I want to do and to build the infrastructure for the other project with this podcast, donations would certainly be welcome. Or you can go to mormonrenegade.com, click that supply store button, and get some new swag. New stuff will be out soon as well. Now, if you can't afford to do either of those two things, I totally get it. Maybe just keep the podcast in your prayers that we'll be blessed with those resources. Again, thank you for everything you do as well as for listening to the podcast. You're listening to the Mormon Renegade Podcast. Well, Derek, how's it going, big guy? Going pretty great. How about yourself? Doing well. So we're going to talk about your, your book here, Energy Unveiled, because I kind of find it fascinating what you did with it. And then, of course, the workbook that goes along with it, The Art of, of, of Shaping Your Life. 
But before we dive into that, I want to give the the audience a chance to get to know you a little bit. You were raised a fundamentalist, right? I was. Well, so in that, I mean, it's the only thing you know, right? That didn't have the same upbringing you had, right? Living in a fundamentalist I mean, household, that sort of thing, right? When was yeah, the first I mean, time? When was the first time you can remember talking to someone going? Oh, maybe I'm unique, right? And and not so much um, taking for granted anymore that hey, everyone's got two moms, or you know, everybody lives around other fundamentalists. When when was that moment for you where you realized, gosh, I'm I'm probably kind of unique here? I was about ten. I figured what, it out pretty quick. What happened? What 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 um, tipped it off for you? Uh, it was when uh, really. I just started just seeing all the differences between people in the world and people out. I mean, 14 really crashed home for me when I, when I realized that there, and uh, one time they asked me, I was asked to come up and bear my testimony. And I realized that after I've seen so many different people in so many different places and they all have different lifestyles that I didn't know what was, what was real anymore. And that was actually where I really began my faith journey was actually at 14 years old. That's when I guess you could say really all came crashing down in my head of like, what is real? And there's so many people with so many perspectives and how do I know my perspective is real? And so I pretty much just took me at that point because, you know, I had a long, long pause, you know, for me, it's kind of weird because I'm always a really fast talker. And so I had this really long pause up there in a me meeting one time when I was supposed to bear a testament. I was like, uh, oh boy. And uh, then pretty much just said, I, I know my, I love my family. I know they're a good family. I know that most people I know and are, in the church are really good and pretty much at that point i realized i was like i just started telling i, I know there are good people i've seen some not so good people outside the church and then you know i was like i actually don't know what i didn't believe anymore and that's where i really start my faith journey right there gotcha gotcha let let me ask you this question where you you and you're a member of the branch right mm -hmm. of, of christ church at what point did you and you served a mission did you always know you were going to go on a mission or was there a time you kind of wavered a little bit or anything like that? There was most definitely a time I kind of wavered. I, uh, I, mean, I always thought a mission was an expected thing until I hit about, actually it was from that 14 years old on from 14 to 16 years old. I started becoming, I started questioning everything. And I saw that there was different people living different lifestyles. And I actually had a friend who had left the branch. He was actually my best friend at the time. And he uh, went and moved to St. George. And at 15 years old, I pretty much came to the conclusion that I didn't know what was real enough so that I started planning to uh, leave. By 16 years old, I actually had, had uh, planned out my process. So I was planning to move to St. George, actually, and going moving in with my best friend who had left. And I was going to... Uh, <clears throat> I was moving in with him and do what he was doing was the, was the idea because I didn't know real anymore i didn't think that there was a reason to live religion you believe in and then that's actually when i had my uh i guess i, I had like a born again experience is uh, i talked to my grandpa i felt impressed that i should tell him about everything because after i already told my mom and dad my dad was was pretty supportive he says oh, i always love you and support you and you do and my mother told me that you know actually she was more like where did i go wrong kind of thing and right you know she, right. Was, she was pretty distraught about it we should and probably then, mention real quick that you're talking about leaving. So, so the branch's headquarters, if you will, or a, a gathering spot is down in, in South central uh, Nevada. Mm -hmm. And so when, when Derek talks about leaving, he's talking about not just giving up religion, but moving away from the community and kind of, kind of going out, so to speak. Right. Yeah. Good. I just wanted to clear that, clarify that. So, so you're having all these feelings, and then you said you talked to your grandpa, and that was the turning point. Yeah, I felt impressed. I should talk to him. So I just he was uh, I was playing piano one day at the Reese Society building, and my grandpa came in, and I just I should tell him. I was like, okay, to me, it felt reasonable. I've always been a very practical person, and so I was just like, okay, my grandpa should probably tell him. So I started telling him all everything I was thinking, all the plans I was making, and. At the end of it, he kind of just stared at me, kind of like, "Oh, this is this is really serious." And he stopped for a moment. And I remember him bowing his head for a moment, closed his eyes, and as he looked up, he started speaking. He went, 
don't give something up before you know if it's good or not, because you can miss out on so much. Try everything. Because you could, if you miss something, you didn't give a chance. You go your whole life, not even in, in, in darkness, or you're in more misery than you need, just because you missed that. So give it a chance. Try everything. And so I'm like, okay, well, he's saying try God. It makes sense. And, and I, I felt like a, I felt like a light, a life, like grow inside of me at that moment. Like something was like, I, I believe it was my spirit was like, yes, try it. This, this is, this is wisdom. This is truth. And I was like, okay, let's do this. And so I started trying to read scriptures. At the time, I had terrible, uh, uh, I, I could not retain any information that I read. Like I would read. To, to memorize something, I'd read it over and over and over for like a month to memorize one little passage. I, I had terrible uh, recognition ability. And then, so I, I tried reading, but didn't really get much out of it. And then I tried fasting and well, got really hungry. That's what I, I noticed from that. But then I, in all that, I prayed a lot. And after, I don't know, a few weeks of praying, I just poured out my heart. I was like, Lord, if you are real. If you were of God, if you are real, I will follow you. I will commit my entire life to you. I just need to know. And I remember this just powerful love just filling my entire being. I remember just being overwhelmed by this just powerful impression. I was like, there's a God. I know it now. And you know, that was when I felt this born again experience. And, um, I have not normally been able to keep a smile off my face since then as I follow this life inside of me. Sure. So I guess I want to want to just compare and contrast a few things. One is, mm-hmm. is that fundamentalists tend to get a bad rap because the FLDS is the only thing that the, the outside world really seems to see, right? Because that's what gets publicized. I find it interesting that in, in the L- FLDS church, one is, is that they try to get rid of as many young men as possible, right? They kick them out mm-hmm. so that there's less competition for – for marrying and that sort of thing. And then if you choose to leave on your own, you're also ostracized. Right. And I want, and I think it's an interesting comparison. I think it shows that, that not all fundamentalist or fundamentalist groups are the same, right? You go to your dad and you tell him, I've got these very real concerns and, and their concerns to the point that I'm making plans to leave the community right not just the community but maybe even your faith a little bit and your dad has the wisdom and above all else the love to say i'm always going to love you right i'm i'm always going to love you i'm always going to be here for you that's huge right and to Mm -hmm. me uh, you know that i think that's an important point to make because it does show you know, for, for my listeners who aren't fundamentalists, um, that, that not all people and not all groups are the same when it comes to fundamentalism. Um, and, and, and you need to, to choose. So, so kudos to your, to your dad for doing that. So you, you have this experience where, where you talk to your grandfather and, and your grandfather again, could have come unhinged, right? I mean, your grandfather has been there from pretty much the start of, of the branch from what I understand. And so he must feel like he's got a vested interest in his family being there. And so you come up and you're like, you know, I think, I think I'm splitsville. I think I'm out of here. And your grandfather just, you know, again, he could have come unhinged. He could have done any number of things, but he said, just hold on a second. Just don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. And so out of that, I mean, I, I can only imagine, I'm not sure you would have had that same experience that you talked about if if your dad or your grandfather would have got combative on the issue. You know what I mean? I don't think, I don't think they would have, not for many years if, at least. Right. Well, what I'm saying is, is, yeah, I don't think you would have had that same experience because I think your guard probably would have went up and, you know, had they gotten defensive about it, that would have put you on the defense. So, so kudos to the, those two men for, for, for really being wise and loving enough to, to talk with you and not just come unhinged. Right. So you go on your mission. What was that like for you? Um, as I told you before, I had a uh, recognition of the uh, inability. I had the inability to to, re- to recall most things I read, which really sucked. 
for the first few months for, for a few months because I actually it was just really the first month. But I got out there. I mean, I had gone through the entire quad at this point. I've gone, I had I had done everything I could research and study, and I just gained almost nothing. I mean, I tried so hard, but I got out there and I started trying to talk to people. I remember the first conversation was like a second day in. And someone said, yeah, tell, talk to, tell me about what your, what your message is. Tell me what you have to say. And I remember just like stopping. And I tripped over myself trying to tell him about that there was this really important guy named Jesus. And really, I was just trying to share with them that, that God was real and stuff. But I mean, I, I should have shared the my born again experience. So I know I should have that now. But at the time, I was so flabbergasted trying to tell him about, you know, the church and stuff. And I didn't actually know what I was talking about. And so that became a wake-up call. I started hitting, uh, I mean, I fasted probably two or three days a week for, for a month and a half, trying to just, and pouring my heart out every day because I was told that that, that could do something. A new prayer was a, a powerful, had done wonders for me already in my life. And so I, I went deep into prayer. Ability to recall information just grew. I could I suddenly recall scriptures. I could suddenly talk to people. And then I started just diving through the books because now I could recall them. So it was incredible. And then I went out there and talked to people about that. And so about the time I actually got to go to the, talk to the Book of Mormon Evans conference, not the Book of Mormon Evans conference, the, the Manti Miracle pageant where they have all those Christians who we spent weeks talking to just to, you know, hit, go back and forth, Bible bashing, I guess, to see what's real, what's not. And of course they had decades of experience. I had currently with my now actual memory a few weeks. So I, I got destroyed in those Bible batches for quite some time. And then I started getting, uh, I started praying prayers again. I started wondering, I, my testament at this time was that God was real, not that any particular religion, religion was real. So I was like, okay, God, if Christianity is real, I'll go. You show me, I'll go. I'll go anywhere you say. If this is real and is where you want, I'll do it. And I already told God, I'll give you my life. And this is where you want me, I'll go. And so I spent our two and a half days fasting while talking to these people. And I ended up getting another very powerful witness of the truthfulness of the Book of, of, uh, Book of Mormon, of more, more anything else, the teachings of the, uh, of the Mormon tradition. And God showed me a lot of these things were real. And then that the Christian view they're trying to show me wasn't exactly accurate. And he gave me more, he gave me more uh, information, taught me more. And I was like, okay, well, if that's real, then I'm going to follow that. And I started actually uh, talking to all these Christians who were actually before destroying me Bible discussions. Now, with that new information, I was actually making a lot of them question. Started working with them on that, and it was that was honestly continual progression in that manner. I would have I experienced more and more miracles throughout my mission as I got more and more in tune with God. And I always had an interest in uh, what caused a miracle. How what was the like the science behind it? Because you know we have the scripture. In D&C 130, 20, and 21, where it says, in the before foundation of this world, there was a law upon which every blessing is predicated. And if you want to obtain any blessing, you divide by that law upon which it's predicated. So every law has a bless, every blessing has a law. You have to follow the law to get the blessing. It's pretty, pretty straightforward. But what was the blessing or the law to get a miracle? And so I've I've actually been researching that since my start of my mission when I was 18 years old. And that's kind of led us to the book, actually, because I wanted to, I've been studying how to get miracles in our lives. And what's the science behind the mind? And going back to the mission, I continued working towards those laws, finding out what it takes to do it. And I experienced miracles more than anything else. It's the continuation of all that. That's amazing to me. Okay, before we dive into that, I want to go back and, and I want to show, you know, just kind of point out a couple of things. And that is you have this faith crisis. And so with, with this faith crisis, you almost get bumped back to zero, right? Mm -hmm. As a kid, you grow up and you kind of borrow light for lack of a better term, right? You, you borrow light from your parents, you borrow light from your church leaders, you borrow light from your friends to get you through till you get your own testimony. And then the time comes where you got to start relying on your own testimony, it sounds like, and you're like, I'm not so sure about all this, right? I mean, let's face it, you know, as a kid, that doesn't look like the funnest way of life, right? I, you're you're going to wear, you're going to wear super long underwear and go to church for an excessive amount of period, right? So, I mean, it's not like it's the most appealing thing out there. 
But I think what's interesting is, and I think this sets a pattern, right? Because right now, Mormonism, and especially the LDS Church, is going through a a time where where the term faith crisis is huge, right? You have millennials leaving left and right from all religions, and so the the LDS Church and certainly fundamentalism is not immune to those same problems. But I think you set a good pattern, which was you were open about it. You just said, hey, dad, I'm, I'm questioning this. Grandpa, I'm questioning this. And out of their wisdom, you have an experience that allows you to hold on a little bit longer. You you establish step one. There's a God. And then you feel God's promptings to go do this mission. And I find it's interesting that you go on a mission to convince other people that fundamentalism is a great way to go. But yeah, you don't got a full testimony of it. For yourself yet right i mean mm-hmm. it sounds like you really develop your testimony of of the restoration so to speak while on your mission oh yeah for sure and so i i i think what that shows is that there's there's a building process right there's there's a momentum at work here where you don't get to just go from zero to a hundred you got to kind of build up right i mean Certainly, mm-hmm. there are people that that have those experiences that take them from zero to one hundred on on that faith journey. But I think more times than not, it's a gradual process. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. it's it's like the sun rising. It doesn't go from completely dark to noonday in a second, right? And you know, you know, normally there's a rising of the sun till the sun is fully exposed from behind the landscape, and then and then you're off and running. So I just wanted to point that out real quick that I think there's some important things we can take away from there. And then you talked about how, how through, you know, on your mission, you got curious about some things and you wrote this book, Energy Unveiled. Now, in this book, as you and I talked about it previously, this was a book that you wanted to write, not just for Mormons, right? Whether that's LDS Mormons or Mormon fundamentalists or whatever the case is. This was a book you wanted to write for the broader world. Is that correct? Um, well, I think to answer that question, you take another step back. Everything after my boarding experience, I did. I did by, by, by revelation. I didn't do anything unless I was told to first, anything big anyway. So, for example, for the mission part, I said, Lord, I know that they expect me to go on a mission. I'm not going to do it, though, unless you tell me to, because I told you I'd give you my life. What do you want? And the Lord told me, and I felt this powerful calling like almost like like uh yelling <clears throat> fervent uh command that i was to go on a mission like repeated over and over in all my prayers it was very adamant that i needed to go on a mission not only that i could or should i needed to and i was like okay obviously this is important to me and that's what i then that, that's what i uh, continue to do throughout my life but writing this book i wrote it because and in the way I did, because I was told, you need to write this so anyone can have a testimony of, of God. Anyone can read it and, and see the power there and see the power of miracles and see the, the, the law of science and spiritual backing of all of it. So there's very few scriptural references in it, which is different for me because I love scripture references. I love the scriptures. I love to delve into them. I'm super uh, scripture, <laughs> scripture savvy. But um, I was told you need to hold back those. So you do not block the veil from anyone else. You don't you don't have put a hindrance on their progression. Because many people have a, a dogmatic viewpoint of religion. They see anything religious as a, a red flag. So I, I was told to write it that anyone can get a testimony of God through this book. It's, it's some, some of his true characteristics, some of his true nature. And so I wrote it for that purpose. In fact, I'm actually writing now a book. It's called uh, it's going, going to be called The Superpower of Belief. I am using lots of scripture references in that one. I'm actually uh, using a lot of, uh, I'm tying everything in together just to really uh, expound upon the, the uh, actually the art of believing something. So, so you really wrote this book then for, to kind of teach gospel principles without making it seem like you're teaching gospel principles. Is that a good way of putting it? Um, yes, but it's, it's really, really written from a very neutral standpoint. The whole point of it is to help people have more miracles in their life, to help you get closer to God, regardless of your background. There, there are a few quotes of scripture in there. And there's even a chapter called, uh, the need of atonement chapter 13. It's the, in an effort to show people the, like the, 
reason, the logic, and the scientific backing of why we could you would would or should use a savior, and then the things like that. So I do talk about that kind of stuff still in there. But I just don't t- cover it as much. I got you, because because that's that's the one thing, and I, and I'm glad to hear you're 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 writing a follow up book that's maybe geared more towards. Uh, people who are religious or or have convictions within a restorationist kind of uh, framework, um, because like I as, as I picked up the the chapter you sent me, I'm like you know if if a if a Mormon who's who's really based in the restoration was to pick this up, at first it seems kind of new agey on the surface until you dive deep and you're like oh I see what he's trying to teach there. Right. I see what he's trying to get across. So real quick, let's just take a few examples of principles that you have in the book, because I, I really want to dive into that and what you call it in the book and then tie it to a gospel principle. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. OK, so go ahead with that. Start off with one. So meditation would be a closing of prayer. The meditation is really you just going deep into yourself to speak to the inner part of God that's inside all of us. Because I, I, as, as I talk in the book, I talk about how there's a quantum field in which there is. I mean, scientific, scientifically, they've proven there's a quantum field out there, an energy, an energetic force throughout the universe that sustains, folds, and is even considered by many scientists to be a loving, energetic force, a loving intelligence. And that, that to me, is God. It's just another name for the spirit of God that's in, in, in about and all through in, in and throughout all things wait, wait, i'd say wait. i'm I'm gonna, need, I'm gonna need you to clarify that real quick okay a spirit god okay we know from joseph's first vision that god has a body of flesh and bone right yes so what are you talking about there then are you talking about the holy ghost are you talking yeah okay all right perfect it'd no, be the, I... it'd be the holy spirit itself okay. at that point you're referring to it's the it's the ether or the essence of, of God, spirit of God that that would be they all tie into. I feel like that the the entire purpose of uh, Joseph's teachings is he's actually trying to show everyone how to come to God through the Holy Spirit because that's the part of God that's in through all things. That's the part of God that if we all tie ourselves back to, it's the mind of God. You could say, I mean, it, it, because through uh, becoming one of the Holy Spirit, you become one heart, one mind. And so. Could- so could that be another word for surrendering our will to the fathers? Yes. Right. Cause often, when we start talking about the mind of God, the first thing I think of is as a Mormon is, you know, when, when Christ is in the, the garden of Gethsemane and he says, you know, let this cup pass from me. I don't want it, but nevertheless, your will be done. So when you start talking yeah. about the mind of God, are we talking about like trying to align our will to his will? Yeah, because the more you do, I mean, the, I mean, Christ in the end actually got a greater glory because of what he had done. Right. And that, that's God's goal for all of us. He's trying to help us all to progress in the best way possible to bring as much life and light to everyone around us and to ourselves. I mean, it says that the purpose of God is to bring the past immortality and eternal life of man. Now, if that's the purpose of God, then all the things he's trying, trying to help us do or guiding us to do are for our own good. Right. And if that's the case, it's like following the loving parent. You're just going to get better stuff if you do. Right. There's no reason not. I I think, I think also as as Mormons, we can't just dismiss this idea of meditation out of hand, right? I think there's real value in in meditation, right? I think uh, we talk we hear oftentimes of you know in in the New Testament especially that that Christ separates himself from everybody, including his apostles. And he goes off by himself. Right. Yes. And I can only imagine that those were times of reflection and meditation and, and maybe scripture study, oh. those sorts of things. Right. So, so I, I think, I think that um, meditation isn't something that we need to shy away from as Mormons. Right. As long as it's Christ centered. Of course. Would, would, would be where I'd put that. Awesome. How about another one? Give me another one without giving um, away the whole book. How's that? Okay. I mean, the whole book is so, it covers so many different topics that I don't feel like unless we were talked for at least 10 hours, we'd actually get every topic covered. That's just, I feel pretty safe in that. Perfect. That claim. But um, 
the next one would be, would be prayer would be faith itself the print the faith principle is actually the one i try to cover strongest in the book and it's the idea of how to have a, how to have faith or another one is belief but faith uh, uh i actually you, believe faith is a combination of things do you call it faith in the book or do you call it belief or i call it faith at one point at the end i don't i do not believe faith and belief are the same thing though they are related so I actually, uh, uh, I don't call it the language of God either, but I'd say it is the language of God. It's how to pray. It's the, the formula for speaking to the infinite intelligence or God, spirit, the Holy Spirit, that we, that I cover a lot through the book, which is, uh, I'd say, it, it, I'd call it faith. I should call it faith in the last chapter, which is chapter 17. I, uh, I, it's the un union of your heart and your mind that really causes of faith process it's uh, taking the thought and supercharging it with the heart which is why god often talks about in the scriptures like mosiah 24 12 god lists off the thoughts of their heart it doesn't actually often it actually if you go through the scriptures you can see several places where god says i look not on the on the actions of man or the outward appearance but on the heart and talks about in samuel when he's looking at david or there's other ones where he says, uh, as man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And there's a lot of scriptures, actually, that relate the thoughts to the heart. And that says, oh, that's what that, that is what God hears. And I try to break a lot of that down of how to utilize that, because I believe that's true faith. Faith isn't just, I mean, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, it's a really cool scripture, and I love it, but what does it really mean? Most people don't actually have an answer for that. I think it down to the deep core of it. It's it's uh, kind of mystical. You're trying to understand the whole process of how to ask. And I'd say faith itself is the language of God. It's how to speak to God. Now, I break this down in a formula. I don't actually normally call by its name in the book. I do at the last chapter, like I said. Gotcha. Gotcha. You know, faith is one of those things, faith and belief, <clears throat> where I think we don't focus maybe quite enough on. Right. I don't think as, nearly. <laughs> even, even as Mormons, I don't think we focus on that enough. Right. Because you, you hear the Savior say, if you had the faith of, of a grain of mustard seed, of a mustard seed, you could command these mountains to be laid low. Yep. Um, those are pretty substantial promises. Right. But I think. I think there's some prerequisites that go along with that. Right. I don't think that you can just be asking for those kind of miracles because you want to see them, right? Christ said, those who seek after signs are a wicked and evil generation. Yeah. And so we, we have to be careful with that. And I think that goes back to that part about making sure your will's aligned with the Father, right? Mm -hmm. And I think mm -hmm. we can also point back to, you know, I think that ties back to the scripture in the New Testament where where Christ says, you know, uh, seek ye first the kingdom of God, then all things shall be added to it, right? I, mm -hmm. I think I don't think God's going to trust us with that kind of power without aligning our will to his first, right? I 100% agree, and actually I cover that in chapter 16 in my book. There's, a, because there's, a, there's so much potential energy just flowing through our bodies, uh, 1.4 volts. That's the energy just laying dormant and sitting in, our, in our, the atoms of our bodies, you know, that's I, what's there what do we do with that i think we need to be careful i don't know if you've seen the matrix but let's not give the machines any ideas so <laughs> channel all the energy of our bodies yeah yeah have you, is, seen, have you seen the matrix yeah yeah let's 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 not give the machines any any ideas but you know and i think you you hit on another point right something happens when we're in tune with god right i go I, I, excuse me, I go back again to uh, the account of the woman with the issue of blood, right? Mm -hmm. Just by faith alone, and just by touching the Savior, she's able to be healed. She's able to be, to be made whole. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that is a, a principle that we have yet to grasp. Um, and I, I say that... that I, I I think that we uh I think we might have isolated accounts of it, but I don't think we grasp it completely as a people yet. 
Oh, I, I don't, I think we're, we are, uh, so there's so much more to learn in that field. I mean, Joseph Smith actually says that faith is the foundation of all, of all, of all righteousness. He says it's the first principle of an in revealed religion and foundation of all upon all upon and all righteousness. Like if you want to be righteous at all, you want to be able to, which means to bridge in line with God, you have to start with faith. And if you enter through that principle first, all things shall be added unto you. Right. Well, and, and I think also that that whether we like to admit, excuse me again, I was at the hospital all night and I'm I'm a little bit I'm in some rough shape at the moment, but um, whether people want to realize it or not, um, we're all motivated by faith. We wouldn't do anything without faith, right? Let's take something as mundane as turning on the lights, right? We have faith that when we hit that switch, light's going to come on in the house, right? Likewise, when you go to work, you have faith that your boss is going to have a check that clears for you. I mean, take it, take it further. I mean, or even closer to your, to home, you actually don't take a step without faith. I mean, as if I were to break down the biological system, that's happening there. You have a thought that sends an electrical signal or impulse down your, down the, the spinal system or to the vagus nerve down to your sit to your subconscious body, um, subconscious uh, mind, which is actually housed in your solar plexus. And it, it actually distributes the information through your body, but it's happening in fractions of a second. But what's happening is you don't actually say, but move. You actually say in your head, think, take, like, move forward. And your body then takes the command and moves forward. And so what, you, what Jesus Christ did with, with people who are, who are uh, the lame, he went up to him and said, you have, a, you have faith that we can heal you. And then he, after they're like, yes, it's like then stand. It's pretty much all he says. I'm like he's like, do you have faith to heal you that you can be healed and you can walk? And, and he says, yes, I do. And he says, then I command you to stand. Like if you have the faith to stand, then stand. It's the faith that really hits it at home. It's, they say in the scriptures that all things are created first spiritually, then physically. If you create the idea or the faith about that certain idea then you are actually planting that as, as a belief in your system and it actually will uh, elaborate into you. You know, and I think that ties in with what, what God told Moses, his name was right. You remember he's, he's up there on the mountain and this is where I can really relate to Moses because God says, <laughs> I want you to go back to Egypt. I want you to tell Pharaoh, he has to let the Israelites go. Mm-hmm. Moses first goes, well, I'm slow of speech. I can't do that for you. I'd love to, but, you know, really not my thing. And God says, don't worry, I got, I'll give you a spokesman. And Actually, so that, yeah, at first that was like, who made man's mouth? I mean, I can, I, I can change that. Right, right. But, you know, the Lord provides, what I'm saying is the Lord provides a, a, a solution so Moses doesn't have an excuse. And then he says, well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to go to these elders that live down in, you know, in, in the, the, the ghettos of Egypt, so to speak, where they're making bricks. And uh, what, what do you want me to tell them? Who do you, who should I say I sent me? And he says, tell them I am sent you. And I find it interesting that that phrase, I am, carries so much weight. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I think... I think there's so much to be said for filling in the blanks behind I am, right? Um, Actually, I am, the words I am are the most powerful words in the right. English vocabulary to our subconscious mind. Yeah, I mean, just fill in the blanks. I am happy. I am faithful. I am satisfied. I am whatever it is, right? Um, I think I, I think there's, because we are our father's children, there is that little bit of spark of divinity within all of us. Oh yeah. Um, and, and it's a matter of, of accessing that and, and learning how to do it, uh, in a way that is, um, I don't know, practical for lack of a better term. Yeah. I, I saw examples of this. I played, I played a little bit of semi pro ball. Um, and, I remember we had a quarterback and it, at first it used 
used to just irritate me. We could be down 21 nothing in the fourth quarter, and we had this quarterback who's like, we got him right where we want him. And I'm like, really? Really? We got him right where we want him because we're down by three touchdowns in the fourth. But with that sense of confidence, that sense of we got this, that 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 I am, right? I am going to score on this drive. I am going to to make that first down things just clicked easier, right? Now, you still had to exert effort. You still had mm-hmm. to work for it. You still had to put forth the the physical um, action behind it. But there there's something that happens when, when you start bringing things out of obscurity, right? Um, what I do here on the podcast, I, I, I've often looked back on, I got no business doing this at all, right? I mean have no experience in it whatsoever but two things i felt like i had on on this one issue anyway and i'm not perfect at it by any stretch of the imaginations I, I was able to to kind of align my will to the father's on to the father's will on this i felt like he this was a charge he gave me mm-hmm. and then from there i just went okay here we go we're off and running. I'll figure it out as I go. And I, I think you can see that also with Nephi, right? When when he says, mm-hmm. you know, God doesn't give any commandments to the children of men, save he shall prepare a way for that thing to get done. Paraphrasing. Yep. Same sort of deal, right? In that case, it would be, I am on the Lord's errand, right? And because of the fact that I am on the Lord's errand, I can expect help from God. So I think, I think there's a little bit of that spark of divinity within each of us that if we can tap into that, if we can make that work, we can, we can help in that creative process with, with our father. Um, And I I think that runs the gamut, right? I don't think that's something that's exclusively Mormon by any stretch of the imagination. I think of guys like, you know, Henry Ford or Alexander Graham Bell or Thomas Edison or whatever it is, they're bringing ideas out of obscurity, out of, of, of randomness of chaos. And they're bringing order to that. Um, I, look I think at those, the power we all have as human. I mean, it's, I, yeah, yeah, I, I look at that and I say, I say there's a, there's a spark of divinity there. There, there, there is something with, within them that, that, that they recognized right they may not have understood that it was you know spiritual dna from our father but there there was something to that i mean it, it's the inherent ability of man it's something that we have that, that beyond that no other creature in the world has is the ability to channel the spirit of god in this way as we have the ability to tie back into that if i were to speak on in uh, scientific terms believe a source of all life and if we can tie our fields together we can and plant that image in that moment. Right. We're actually able to uh, cross that desire through space and time and start drawing it to us through a quantum reality. Right. All right. Let's move on to another subject. What's what's another topic? Mm, it'd be the one of belief. Then we can cover that one. We can cover that one more. So the belief I'd say is actually a set of. Uh, you could, if I were to speak scientifically, I'd say it's a set of programs built into your subconscious mind throughout your system. Like, for example, um, if I have a belief that I can't do a certain thing, like you were saying before, it's the belief you have of you, if you're going to win or not. Because everyone actually in you know, a football is a good example. Football uh, uh, game, they both have, they all have a belief about what's going to happen. Some people, it's the, I'd say it's the level of belief they have in themselves and in their ability that actually determines what they're going to accomplish in that game. Like you guys are contesting your, your your force of will against each other. Your beliefs are hitting against each other and opposing. What are you hoping people get out of this book? To learn how they can change. To be, to be, how, how becoming a new being in Christ would actually change their life. Because most people see it as uh, just becoming a new being in Christ. Okay, but you do the same exact thing. A lot of Christians preach that. We're going to become a new, new being in Christ, but we'll actually just be the same. He, he saved me. He saved me. I'm definitely completely saved. All my sins aren't him, but I, I, can, I can keep sinning. It doesn't really change anything. That doesn't work. You have to become a new person in Christ. And the, really the, whole, the goal here is the Spirit told me to write the book. That's why I wrote the book. The Spirit told me to. But he said he wanted to heal the world. He wanted to show them his power. He wanted to give them a testimony of him. And it's, I guess, another testimony of the power of God and how to come back to him. 
it's another blueprint, another uh, plan, a formula, how to come back to God and be re-immersed uh, into his spirit and experience a new level of life no one that you've never even imagined was possible from before. I'm experiencing it's better my relationships, it's better my health, it's made me stronger, getting more financial uh, opportunities. It's, I mean, it's inspiring my mind in many different ways. But it's all through becoming more one with God and asking in that in the in the approved method, yeah, the language of God, I call it. Yeah, you know, and and I do agree with you that 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 Scripture bears out the fact that that God wants us to have joy. Men are that yeah. men might have joy, and so like so uh, I I agree with that totally. I think sometimes we allow ourselves to to dictate the terms of our own joy right mm -hmm. and, and some, yeah and sometimes god is like mm, you need to find joy in the situation i put you in right now right but it's the act of feeling the emotion of joy now that actually gets you it can get can get you out of it by becoming exactly it, exactly it's not by being depressed of the moment one of the most spiritual men i ever knew and in some ways this used to just irritate me because he could just keep that great outlook no matter what, but he would go through a trial and I remember he would say, and I mean, he had a ton of them like within the space of three months, his mother passed away. His wife was diagnosed with cancer. He was diagnosed with cancer and his kid was in a horrible car accident. And he just kept coming to work smiling. And I'm like, bro, good on you. I don't know how you do it, but that's great. Because me, I'd be whining like a little kid the whole time. And he said, I thought about this a little bit. And he's like, what I did is I, I instead of asking why me, I asked the question, what am I supposed to learn here? And as soon as he changed that perspective, not only did that give him a sense of peace in the moment through those adversities and i'm not saying it's easy because i i try it and i stink on ice on about it right so i'm still figuring it out too but this guy seemed to have it kind of dialed in and what was interesting is that as he's going through those challenges he's reliant upon god right he's asking a question back to god what do you want me to learn here and then he's getting answers and then as he's getting answers about what he's supposed to learn, he's also getting answers on how to, to plan and how to make adjustments to get things in a better state. So sometimes those trials are super beneficial to us. They, they, they melt away all that dross, right? They, they refine us, they make us better. And I think, and, and this is where I would agree, would agree with you is that sometimes it's a matter of how we're going to approach this certain trial, right? Cause let's face it. I I've made this analogy before. I think in a talk, um, I love the Rocky movies, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I dig those movies. I, dig them. I, I, I loved them when I was a little kid, but as I got to thinking about it as, as, as an adult, I was like, why did I dig those movies so much? It was because of the adversity that he had to overcome to become victorious, mm -hmm. right? If if we didn't have challenges and adversities that we would embrace and work to overcome, we'd have boring stories to tell. I know, right? We'd be like, yeah, I mean, I woke up this morning and everything was great. There were flowers under my feet and there was rainbows and sunshine and lollipops. That's yeah, boring. They, That's they did a study on that, actually. They were they were finding out what what would what would men do if they uh if they had a uh, everything given to them if they had everything that they had all their problems were solved there was no adversity whatsoever they smash it all down so they have something exciting in their life because it'd be so freaking boring <laughs> yeah. pretty much what they determined based at the end of the study yeah yeah it would just be horribly boring right and so going back to that Rocky analogy man that was what made those shows great. He's facing a dude way bigger than him and he's coming out. I think there's something in us that love to see either us or other people 
get past things, right? I think that's why we all instinctively root for the underdog because it's that overcoming that adversity that just fires people up, whether that's spiritually or physically or whatever. But yeah, Mm -hmm. and and if this book is a tool that helps people get there, that's awesome that that you got it out to them. So where can they find the book, Derek? And it's currently on Amazon. It has hardback, paperback, and 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 in ebook form. Okay. And what's the name of the book again? Energy Unveiled. Perfect. Anything else you want to cover before we shut her down? Yeah. Um. Uh, I wanted to say one one, one thing. Mm-hmm. It's the uh, it uh, as you were just talking, it made, reminded me of one of the principles of this book. It's the act of overcoming, of overcoming, of overcoming until you become someone new. Mm-hmm. And that's the act. That's the process. You're overcoming who you used to be to spiritually become someone new to uh, to change your life. Dude, I can totally get behind that. I mean, look, when I when I accepted the gospel the first time when I became LDS, that dude was radically different. Right. I look back on that guy and I'm like, ooh, he had like a degree in dirt baggery. I mean, he was, <laughs> you know, so that that guy had to go away. Um well, I like and, them. I, 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 and and so when I, you know, embraced fundamentalism, it was again not as drastic of a change, but it was still a change. And I think we we, I think we always have to let that old person die, right? We we have to exactly. be willing to to let the old person be buried and move forward. I'm, I'm when I was uh, 16, like I was telling you before in the very beginning. I was actually, people make comments. I was so emotionless. I was so analytical and so just like void of any real emotion that people would actually make comments. They were scared of me because they, 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 I would just walk around stores just staring blankly at everything. I mean, it wasn't because I was angry. I right. just didn't care. I, I, I had a very, I guess you could say a cold analytical mindset. Kind and of. My, my mom actually told yeah. me, she stopped me. She's like, Derek, stop, stop looking <laughs> like that at people. And I'm like, what? Why? She's like, you're scaring people. I'm like, why am I scaring them? I'm just looking around. But then that's that's what that was the part of the overcoming process that happened for me. And uh, when I turned when I turned 16, is the spirit brought me alive. It gave me a life inside. It gave me a reason to smile. Right. I saw a purpose. I saw joy. And I overcame. He helped me overcome who I used to be. Right. Awesome. Well, dude, when you get the next book kicked out, give me a call. And we'll do this again. Hey, this sounds good to me. Awesome. All right. Bye, everybody. God bless you all. You're listening to the Mormon Renegade Podcast.